From pesos to pounds, euros to yen, WISE can help you manage your money in different currencies. With WISE, you can send money to your cousin in Australia with ease, travel internationally without having to brave an airport currency exchange desk, and take away the guesswork that goes along with converting currencies. WISE lets you send and spend money worldwide at the real-time mid-market exchange rate, all without any hidden fees. Join 16 million customers already using WISE worldwide. To learn more about how a WISE account could work for you, download the app or visit WISE.com. That's WISE, W-I-S-E dot com, WISE dot com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I wasn't planning on watching the men's final at the Australian Open in the middle of the night this weekend. The final, in my heart, was played days earlier between Serena and Osaka. But there I was, unable to sleep on a Saturday night. And what the heck, tennis, Australia, fans in the stand, they're averaging like single-digit COVID cases every day. It's escapism, a cheap vacation, what life used to be like, so I turned it on. Welcome to the 2021 Australian Open Men's Singles Final. Novak Djokovic, Serbia number one seed versus Daniil Medvedev, Russia number four seed. Djokovic is part of the big three men's tennis players who have won 57 of the last 69 Grand Slam tournaments in the sport. It's this insane, unprecedented dominance that doesn't really have an obvious comparison. Medvedev is part of a new class of Younger dudes who threatened to creep in and upset that dominance, but so far so bad. And Sunday's final didn't help matters. Djokovic wins the match in straight sets. The winning shot is this insane over-the-head volley twirl thing that doesn't really make any physical sense, and it wins the entire tournament. After that, it's all the formalities. The suits come out to thank the sponsors, thank the refs, thank the ball boys, hand out trophies. It's sort of perfunctory, and nothing interesting ever really happens until the Australian Open in 2021. Jane Herdlicka, the president of Tennis Australia, is throwing all the pro forma thank yous out. And then she says something about the pandemic that's hardly affecting Australia. With vaccinations on the way, rolling out in many countries around the world, it's now a time for optimism and hope for the future. The audience does not like it, but she persists. There are many other people to thank that enabled this great night to take place in the last couple of weeks. The top of that list is the Victorian government. Without you, we could not have done this. Again, the audience is angry. And all of a sudden, this isn't about tennis. Like everything else in life, this was about the pandemic. So long, late-night escapism. But maybe it was my fault for believing I could find an escape in the first place. Things are really rough out here. This was a week the United States hit 500,000 deaths. That's almost the number of Americans who died in both world wars combined. The virus 
is mutating around the world and poor countries around the world, as we explained on the show a few weeks ago, will have to wait much longer for the vaccine than the rich ones. It's easy to surrender to this idea that life as we knew it is going to take many more years to return. But Herman Lopez says there are reasons to be optimistic about the end of all of this. Yes, and I'm not known to be a very optimistic person. If you've ever worked for me, uh, my Slack emoji is Eeyore. So, um, <laughs> Eeyore has been writing about the pandemic for Vox. I've been feeling like as best as I have about the COVID pandemic these past few weeks. And there's really three reasons. One is that new cases are just significantly down from the fall-winter surge. Meanwhile, vaccination rates have been going up quite quickly. And the other thing here is that in the next few weeks, next few months, the weather's going to start warming up. And as we know, COVID tends to spread more quickly in like indoor environments and people are pushed to those indoor environments during the winter and fall. So, I mean, if you look at all of those three factors, we're looking at a really optimistic time. I think this is confusing to some people to see this precipitous drop in COVID cases. I mean, we got an email from a listener saying, you know, a lot of people where I live in Wisconsin are skeptical that, you know, Biden's inaugurated and all of a sudden the cases are dropping. Is this really just as simple as a ton of people were traveling for the holidays and this thing just blew up and and we saw a, a huge surge in cases? That certainly was a big part of it. The CDC was telling people to be careful over the holidays. They, like, advised people to, like, not do Thanksgiving if they could. The government's top health protection agency now says ignoring those warnings and holding gatherings could lead directly to family members dying from COVID-19. But as we saw, like, people did do Thanksgiving. They did do Christmas. They did do other holiday celebrations. As hospitals and hotspots struggle to manage COVID patients, tonight that feared holiday surge is here. And also not just in the U.S., but around the world, you saw this, particularly countries that were celebrating, like, Christmas and, and those holidays. But since then, it seems like in the aftermath, people seem to have changed their behavior. I mean, just practically, they're not going to Christmas parties anymore, right? So if that's been leading to cases dropping, then maybe we want to keep that going for a bit. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. Okay, so cases are down. Let's talk about vaccines. We got even more good news this week. The FDA is meeting to consider emergency approval of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which in theory will add even more supply to a vaccine effort that has really ramped up in the United States? Yeah, it's certainly the case. I mean, there are a few ways to measure this, but one way to look at it is like last month in the middle of January, states weren't using even 50% of the doses they got. Now it's pretty normal for them to be using 80 or 90% or even more than that. Uh, So states have just really ramped up how much of the doses they're getting. And on top of that, they're getting just way more doses. 14.5 million doses uh, this week, up from 8.6 million doses per week when the president took office. So right now we're about 1.7 million vaccines actually put in arms a day. That can fluctuate a bit based on like the weather, as as we've seen with the snowstorm recently. But 1.7 million, that's a lot. Like before Biden came into office late last month, he was aiming for a million a day. And we're already getting to the point where we're, we're talking about like getting double that a day. So that's a, a pretty massive improvement. 
so is it is it going to be like what I mentioned at the top of the show with the Australian Open where things are getting back to normal? They can have this major international event, but there will be these COVID snags. Is that what it's going to look like with March Madness coming back or the NBA welcoming fans back in or restaurants reopening for indoor dining? Yeah, I mean, my guess is like, even though cases have dropped and things have gotten better, we're probably going to see spikes here and there. Recently, we had the Super Bowl, right? And we haven't seen this in the data just yet, but if people were having like Super Bowl parties and getting together, they might have spread COVID. That might lead to like a brief spike in the numbers. And I'm going to guess that we'll probably have more of that in the future. Hopefully, if if this keeps up as it has, if we have like the vaccines still going out, if we have like uh, people still obeying some social distancing and masking, then it'll still generally get better overall. But we will probably have spikes and probably have to pull back a bit here and there. And and for a lot of people with kids, especially, I know the big question will be schools. When are they going to reopen? I know. Biden has been bullish on reopening schools, but there's been a lot of pushback from teachers unions, which, of course, are supportive of Biden. Otherwise, how complex is that picture right now? The CDC just put out a guidance essentially saying that, like, look, schools can open. This, as a new CDC report, says it's safe to reopen schools after months of COVID closures with or without vaccinating teachers. They just had to follow these precautions. And it's the kind of stuff that you would expect the CDC to be recommending at this point. Masking, physical distancing, testing and tracing, like even stuff like just opening a door to improve ventilation in your building, like opening windows, that kind of thing. But... Like you mentioned, teachers unions are are really concerned about this. What we've seen from schools so far is that they do not seem to be a big source of COVID, but like teachers can still get sick, right? Like they can be in the older population that is more susceptible to the disease. So they're kind of worried about that. The good news, though, is with these precautions, it seems like that even limits transmission around teachers. So they can reopen. And we're seeing some states, more and more states now, really push forward with reopening. I think it'll take time. Like we're going to be seeing these hybrid models where you're still doing some in-person, but also still doing some like Zoom school. And the hope is, look, if the vaccine rollout really, really goes forward throughout the summer, then maybe next school year, it will be fully in-person. Hmm. Okay. I'm all about the optimism and I'm not going to rain on the parade, but I have to ask, how do the variants complicate this picture of reopening and finding some level of normalcy in this new year. So this is definitely a big concern. I mean, we've heard this week concerns about like a California variant. Now researchers are finding a variant here on the West Coast, and it may also be easier to spread and possibly more deadly. Before that, there were the the British, South African, Brazil variants, like all these they, they generally have different characteristics, but generally the, the concern is that they're more infectious. They might evade immunity. The good news here is like based on the research we've done so far, the vaccines are essentially so effective that they still manage to be effective against the variants. So even if these variants are better at avoiding like some of the immune response than like original COVID, the vaccine is essentially fueling your body with such a strong immune response that it can still overcome that. That's subject to change. If there are more variants and they're even better at evading the immune response, that can change. But at least right now, it, there's really not much reason to panic yet. And and will that get in the way of herd immunity, which is the place we really need to get to, to sort of move on from this pandemic? 
Yeah, so generally herd immunity is estimated to be 70 to 80%, maybe higher, maybe lower. But I think the biggest problem, right now we are really ironing out the supply concerns with vaccines. They are actually getting out. States are doing a better job distributing, that kind of thing. But I think over time we're going to see more and more hesitancy essentially pop up where people just do not want the vaccine. I mean, we've already seen some of that in the surveys. And as as that becomes a bigger problem, we're going to probably have to do something about that demand side rather than focusing as much on the supply side as we have been. More with Herman in a minute. Wise is the app that makes using different currencies easy. Need to send dollars to your cousin in Bali fast? Getting paid in another currency and don't want to lose out because of inflated exchange rates? Want travel money without having to slog through the currency exchange kiosk? Then Wise might just be your answer. From pesos to pounds, euros to yen, Wise takes the guesswork out of converting currencies. You can send and spend money worldwide at the real-time mid-market exchange rate with no markups and no hidden fees. In 2023, people sent over $100 billion worldwide with WISE. What's more, over half of those transfers got to their destination in less time than it takes to listen to this ad. Whether you're traveling, sending money abroad, or doing business, let WISE help you manage your money in different currencies with ease. Join 16 million customers already using WISE worldwide. To learn more about how a WISE account could work for you, download the app or visit WISE.com. That's WISE, W-I-S-E.com, WISE.com. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Herman, the biggest barrier here to getting to herd immunity is vaccine hesitancy. Is that right? It might not be the biggest barrier now, but over time it's going to become the biggest barrier just because eventually supply will probably outstrip demand. And we know from surveys that about 30% of the population doesn't want a vaccine. 30%? Yeah, it's quite a lot. I, I mean, if if you go back to the numbers of herd immunity, 70 or 80%, 30% would be enough to essentially squash those dreams. And it's especially bad because right now we only have vaccines authorized for adults, not children. So since 20% of the population is kids, that means we basically need every adult or close to every adult getting a vaccine to really reach herd immunity. 
And yeah, the the polls suggest that it's not the case right now. Another wrench in this is that in, in general with polls, we know that the people who are less likely to answer them just have like lower trust in institutions. Mm. And those populations are probably more likely to say they don't want a vaccine. So if anything, that 30% might be an underestimate. Why do people not want this vaccine? Do we have the reasons? A lot of surveys have tried to dig into this. On one hand, there is a small subgroup, and I think this is the one you hear the most about, but it's probably a minority. And these are the conspiracy theorists, the anti-vaxxers. Like, you've probably seen somewhere online about, like, 5G or certain wealthy people. That the vaccine will leave an invisible, digital, trackable tattoo. That Dr. Anthony Fauci, a leader in the vaccine effort, is actually Satan. That the vaccine is part of a CIA Illuminati conspiracy to control the world. All that stuff, which is obviously false. There's a group that believes in that, and so they don't want a vaccine. The bigger populations are just people who don't believe that COVID is a big threat. And because they don't believe in COVID is a big threat, they don't want a vaccine. You can probably make up a stereotype of this in your head, but it is like people who, particularly on the right, who supported Trump, who believed all what he was saying last year about how the coronavirus should not be affecting your life too much. It will go away. You know it You know it is going away. And it will go away. And we're going to have a great victory. That's, that's the kind of group we're talking about here. There's also a group of people, and some of these can overlap, I should say, but there's also a group of people who just think the vaccine process was too fast. I mean, Operation Warp Speed was a very catchy name, but it also feeds into this idea that, like, we're going at warp speed, right? So maybe some corners are being cut. That's not necessarily true. We still went through the FDA three-phase process for this, but a lot of people still hold that belief. We've talked about the version of vaccine hesitancy that comes from sort of the conspiracy theory, the misinformation, the, you know, lackadaisical attitudes towards the pandemic to begin with. But there are legitimate reasons here that some communities in this country and across the world feel hesitant about trusting a vaccine, right? Yeah, that's certainly true. I mean, particularly the black community and minority communities in general, I should say. They have for years faced discrimination, outright discrimination in the healthcare system. They've faced situations where they were literally being experimented on against their will. This is something that you can look back in the history of the U.S. and it is stuff that has popped up repeatedly. So if you're living in that environment, it's kind of reasonable for you to be a little skeptical of the healthcare system. You don't believe it's set up to protect you. You don't believe it's set up to like make you healthier. And unfortunately, some of that is translating to distrust in in the vaccine as well. And it's important to separate that out, not just because it's like a different group of people with different concerns, but like it also means we're going to have to have different strategies for addressing vaccine hesitancy in this group than others. Are there strategies in place to do that? Ideally, the government should have been doing this months ago, the federal government in particular. Uh, I mean, I've been talking to experts about this for months, and every single time they were like, we should have been doing this yesterday. And (laughs) I mean, what we have seen is like every once in a while, some public health official will jump on TV like Fauci or whatever and, and debunk some things. The process of the speed did not compromise at all safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. It was a reflection of the extraordinary scientific advances in these types of vaccines, which allowed us to do things in months that actually took years before. But that's not really like a concerted federal campaign. And the thing we really need here is like 
some sort of like national PSA would be great. Like, let's get Taylor Swift to get her vaccine while being videotaped, like recorded, like encouraging other people to get vaccinated. I'll see out too late. But it's not Taylor Swift, right? It's like Beyonce. Right. <laughs> okay. I mean, if we, if we can Beyonce and Taylor Swift and at, like just about every other celebrity to get vaccinated, that that would be fantastic. Like, and do it live, um, stream it, put it yeah, on Instagram, yeah, whatever. That kind of national campaign would help. But like I mentioned, different places and different people are going to have different concerns about the vaccine and COVID. So what works for, like, say, a Trump supporter who doesn't believe COVID is a big threat is not going to work for, say, a black person who just doesn't trust the healthcare system. And so what the federal government and state and local governments need to do here is really, like, fund and fuel these, like, local efforts to communicate with people, target specific groups of people, and tell them, like, why their concerns might be off, like what we know about the vaccine, like what the research and evidence and all of that says both about the virus and the vaccine. Beyond messaging to vaccine-hesitant communities better, has the vaccine messaging in total been lackluster? I mean, this is a thing that could prevent you from getting this terrible disease, but you hear a lot of people talking about the downsides, talking about the fatigue, talking about the lines, talking about the pain to sign up. I mean, much more than I feel like you hear people talking about how great it is to not have to worry about COVID as much. Yeah. I mean, this is like generally a a medical miracle. (laughs) I think one thing here is in some cases we've been looking at the wrong numbers. So we often talk about like when the Johnson & Johnson vaccine came out, the top line number, the one that everybody focused on was that it was 66% effective. And a lot of people were like, oh, that's not as great as the Moderna and Pfizer ones, which were 90 plus percent effective. But like that's underselling actually all three of the vaccines because that's only estimating like how many people get symptomatic disease, essentially, like some sort of illness. And what we've seen is that all these vaccines drive hospitalizations and deaths essentially to zero. Like that's the number you should be focusing on. Even if you get sick, like I don't know about most people, but personally, I could stand just like cold, cold like symptoms. I could even stand a fever. What I don't want to happen to me is getting hospitalized and dying. And that's exactly what these vaccines prevent. But because of the way this has been messaged, I think some of that has really been lost. Hmm. And and what's the upshot of that? Are we never going to get to the level of herd immunity we need? Are we always going to be watching the Australian Open and enjoying the tennis and then having it interrupted by COVID scares and and lockdowns? And is that going to be the case in our schools and at our restaurants and everything else? You know, I think in by the end of this year, at least in the U.S., we'll be looking at a much more optimistic time. We won't be looking at those kinds of situations nearly as much anymore. I mean, I've talked to experts about this and they have said, like, look, once they get vaccinated, they're planning like barbecues. They're planning like holiday trips again. They will hug vaccinated family members once they're vaccinated, too. So I think we're going to start getting back to normal. The the question really here is whether we hit that herd immunity threshold. Like, that's when we can really relax and say, okay, this is good. But even if we get, like, 60% immunity among the population, that's still better. So if we can get to that point, we're talking about a situation where life is much closer back to normal. And, look, we'll still get outbreaks. Even vaccinated people make it a little sick, 
Um, it won't be the COVID that originally showed up that really terrified a lot of us, but they might get like cold-like symptoms. Like it, it might be something more akin to like the flu. But at the end of the day, with this vaccine rollout, if we really manage to vaccinate enough people, we're going to be in much better shape than we are. Ramon Lopez is a senior correspondent at Vox. You can read his work at Vox.com. His Slack emoji is Eeyore. End of the road. Nothing to do. And no hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.